Welcome to the Chicana Motherwork Podcast. We are a collective of Chicana PhD mother scholars, artists, and activists. We created Chicana Motherwork to amplify the lived experiences of mothers of color within and outside academia. Together, as the Chicana Motherwork Collective, we theorize, write, organize, mother, and create spaces for communal healing and care out of our shared belief that the labor of mothering is a transformative act. Porque sin madres no hay revolución. Okay, buenos dias, everyone. Uh, this is Christine from the Chicana Motherwork Collective. I'm here with Cecilia and with Yvette reporting live from, not live, but reporting from in, from Inglewood, and we have our special guest. Hi, this is Andrea Penagos. Really excited to have her here. Um, well, we want to dedicate and start our um, podcast um, dedicated to a sister of uh, and friend, femtor of mine, and for a lot of people, her name is was Cristal Alvarez, who transitioned into spirit world last week. She was a friend, femtor, and a Chicana Chingona in the academy at UCLA in the School of Education. We honor her life, her laughter, and her fierce dedication to students of color. We love you, Cristal. We miss you, and may your transition to be a maybe a gentle one. Rest in power. You are now one of our ancestors. Um, so also to mention that Michelle and, Sis and Judy are not able to join us today, um, but we'll be, we have a really exciting podcast today with our special guest, Andrea. And so um, our roadmap for today, we want to make sure that you all know that este, we are going to be having um, a couple of uh, hacks, family, I'm sorry, not hacks. We're going to have a couple of mommy hacks, fells and tips towards the end of our podcast. And we're going to be rotating those every time we, we have a podcast. And so to mention that the theme for today, being that we introduced Cristal and her transition, is La Ventena de los Muertos and the honoring of, of transitions, the fall equinox, the change of seasons, and the shedding of things, people's energies. From what I have been taught at this time, our ancestors can hear us clearly. So it's a good time to communicate with those who passed on. Um, and talking more about that will be our, our special guest and will kind of guide us into some information and some knowledges of how to, you know, better, you know, um, enjoy and move, to move with the, the change of seasons in the fall. And so um, our friend, Andrea Penagos, who is a licensed acupuncturist and energy worker and herbalist and who is a proud chapina, um, it's here to talk to us about all of these things related to our theme um, for the podcast. So now we're going to transition to our interview with uh, Andrea. So we're very excited to have her here. So just thank you for all your time. Um, and I think we have mentioned it on one of the other podcasts that the Chicana Motherwork Collective did a communal healing kind of session with her. Mm -hmm. And it was it was amazing. Um, you know, we did kind of um, like energy work, stone work, uh, you know, worked with stones and um, did journaling. So we're excited to hear, have you on here to do an interview and kind of share your um, viewpoints as a, as a holistic healer and worker. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the questions I was thinking about is, um, so what's your viewpoint as a woman of color, Chapina, um, how do you, how are you engaging in these kind of um, healing traditions that are kind of outside of a Western paradigm of medicine? Yeah, first of all, I just want to thank you guys for having me here. Um, it's always a pleasure to be with Chicana Mother Work and to support um, 
the healing work, the self-care work that you guys are encouraging within the scholarly community and um, with Chicana mothers. So in the work that I do with my patients and in my own practice, self-care is the biggest thing, is the biggest thing that I encourage, that I promote, and in my eyes, the most important part of, uh, of healing. And so in my own practice, I take cues from nature. I take cues from the earth, from the Supreme Mother. And so she teaches us, as she changes through the seasons, how we also change and how our self-care needs to change. And so particularly in this season of the fall, it is a more internal time. We are shifting from the more active spring and summer into a more internal and quiet and dark time. And um, it's no coincidence that also Dia de los Muertos is within this season. We're going into the underworld. We're going into the place of the ancestors. And so... Um, truly in our own practices also we need to encourage the space of of internal work the ripe fruit falls and it makes space it creates a fertile ground for the seeds of the next season so this is I like to think about this time also as like the time before the new moon the time before we bleed when we think about the menstrual cycle. This is PMS time. Mm -hmm. Is like the fall is PMS time. It is. Emotions come up. Things that haven't been right the whole cycle, the whole year. This is what I think about when I think of PMS. What comes up during my PMS is things that I'm pissed about or like upset about the whole cycle. So it's like a highlighter, okay? What are we needing to look at so that as we move forward into the next cycle, we are renewed. We make new choices. We make, um, yeah, we make new choices, exactly. Uh-huh, go ahead. I have a question for you, Andrea. Yes. So um, after hearing everything that you've said about um, feeling um, loss and feeling there's this like connection between life and death during the season, you you know, calling to mind Dia de los Muertos. And um, for me, uh, October, November, even December, from October even, yeah, up until December, it's a time... So my son's birthday is November 1st. My father's birthday is November 7th. And my father passed away when he was 12. So my son, you know, doesn't have the ability to have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And so this time is always a time for me of mixed feelings. Mm -hmm. Because on the one hand, we're celebrating his life. On the other hand, we're celebrating the life of my father, the life mm -hmm. that he had. And then at the same time, it is that PMS season. So we are dealing with a lot of loss. We are dealing with a lot of challenges. 2016 in general has been a really rough mm -hmm. year for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And it's especially, we're starting to feel it especially now. So I guess my question is, as someone who is, you know, raising a bicultural child who is, you know, having him engage in different types of customs and celebrations and holidays, but also dealing with a lot of loss, a lot of grief, a lot of emotions right now. Mm -hmm. How, what would you recommend for someone 
who's in a similar situation as mine to do in terms of exercises or things we can do for ourselves or even for our family members to kind of heal or to let go of some of those feelings of loss or to, to work through the PMS? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think first of all, especially in how we raise our children, that is part, death is part of life. And I think in our culture, in this Western, actually, culture, there isn't enough um, talking about it. There isn't enough exposure to it. And it happens all the time, but somehow we feel separate from it. And so this season brings it all very close. It makes it all very real. And, you know, especially in your situation where there are births and deaths in the same kind of time frame um, to talk about it because I can totally relate in five days six days it's going to be the death anniversary of my brother-in-law and um, my niece and nephew they've never been exposed to death in this particular way and so now this time that is a few days from Dia de los Muertos it has a different tone for them um, and what else to do but to really allow ourselves to be in the feeling and to support them and be present for the children as they too move through their own feelings because part of this Western culture is to separate yourself from death, to separate yourself from that grief. And so what does it feel like to breathe into that grief? What does it feel like to step into it and hold your loved ones very, very closely through it. I think there's, there's nothing else but to, to embrace that grief and to embrace your children, embrace your loved ones. Um, and I too, I'm learning very much what it means to, uh, to navigate grief year after year because it's, it comes in waves and it changes and it morphs. And also, just like Dia de los Muertos, it's not just sitting in that grief. It's celebrating the life, right? Celebrating those memories that never, never leave us, that exist in our hearts. And, and, and that energy of our ancestors that is still with us. And so I think part of our indigenous practices, our indigenous cultures, is to not think that those people have gone. They have changed in energy. They have transitioned into a different state of matter, right? And so how do we call upon those ancestors and also teach our children to learn how to call upon the energy of our ancestors to support us, to guide us, to be with us? and to feel them close because in the fall, the veil is very thin, the veil between the worlds. And so we can feel them. I'm even getting goosebumps right now. We can feel our ancestors and we can also connect. And this is, you know, kind of aside, but we can connect with our spirit guides. We can connect with our spirit animals, all of these energies that are in realms somewhere, I don't know, I'm not an expert in like where the realm of the spirit is, but they are, they are somewhere and they are with us. So 
I would say that that practice is beautiful. Something too that I wrote about in um, the fall issue of Life as Ceremony magazine is to connect with your breath and to to see the breath as that life cycle. So within the breath, we have four parts. When we inhale, that's one part. We pause and there's a fullness at the top of the inhale. When we exhale, which is like the fall, we are exhaling. And then there's that space underneath the exhale that is the void. There's no breath in the lungs. It's the void. That's like the underworld. That's like the realm of the spirit within our own breath and within our own body. So if we practice using the breath and notice what we feel in that void, that helps us to connect to the feeling of what emptiness is. You know, what... There is not even any words to describe actually what that void is. And that's what I feel like maybe it is when we transition. And so we have to, the, the ultimate reality of this life is that it's impermanent. It's not forever. And so we also need to understand that our own bodies and our own lives are temporary. And so how do we live differently? How do we live differently? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, my husband just came in and turned on the fan. <laughs> no, me so caso. <laughs> I'm like, shh. <laughs> we stinky, y'all. <laughs> we know. We know. Okay. Entonces, entonces, ¿dónde íbamos? Yeah. Yeah, if we understand that death is a part of life, then how are we going to live differently? How are we going to engage the day differently, communicate with each other differently? You know, let, we need to bring in more love, truly, truly. And I think, so thank you for your words and, like, your energy and, you know, your knowledge and body knowledge um, and, you know, sharing your views as a as a practitioner of like health and healing and you know, everything, what you were talking about reminded me of, um, so in, in the academic school year right now is a season of job market applications. Right now is a season of dissertation fellowship applications. Mm -hmm. So this apply. so this is for a uh, PhD students who are advanced, more advanced in their, uh, graduate, um, it, programs. So, you know, there's a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of, you know, not knowing whether or not we're going to have funding next year. And this mm -hmm. is especially very difficult for, you know, mothers and the, those who are parents because we, we have dependents, we have our children mm -hmm. we need to take care of. So not knowing what we're going to do next year or, you know, sometimes we go into like, or at least I do, catastrophic thinking where I'm just like, everything's going to be terrible. I'm not going to get anything. I'm not going to get any job or any fellowship or anything. So, um, so on the one hand, you, your words were really grounding because it kind of really centers um, that that you know just it it brings the question of you know what are we kind of doing um, here in this moment that we have like in this embodied kind of real material reality and you know because in academia it it seems like academia is like the only thing that matters or we're pressured so off by our you know whether it's our mentors or 
other, we're competing with other graduate students. You know, it's always like a race or a competition. And, um, but then, so it's, it kind of can be easy to forget all of, you know, the things that really matter unless there is some kind of like practice that, we, so that's kind of the services that you offer, like what are the strategies and things that we can do. And so I was thinking about my, I was thinking about my, um, my grandmothers, my um, abuelitas, and I never met one of them. And she's actually my tokaya, um, Cecilia. Mm. So I never met her because she passed away when I was a baby and my parents were on this side of the border and they were undocumented. So they couldn't even go back to, for like the funeral or anything. Um, so, so then I think about, like, I never met her, but, you know, that's, I have her name, and, um, so it made me think of how you're saying, like, reconnecting to, um, centering ourselves and doing, um, self-care, but also, um, you know, having our ancestors present, but then, so my question is, so what about people who are, like, part of the diaspora, like, where, in my case, like, I never met my grandmother and, you know, we couldn't even go to the funeral because of, mm -hmm. you know, immigration laws. And then, um, or what about people who don't know who their ancestors are? Like mm -hmm. if they don't know, even know their names or, you know, going even further back because of like the histories of colonization and, mm -hmm. you know, slavery and displacement and all of these things. But, you know, but we're here, you mm -hmm. know, we're women of color, people of color. So sometimes we do know who our ancestors are, but sometimes we don't. So, um, but I still, so I wanted to ask you what are ways that we could, you know, honor them. And I feel like from what you're saying, there's a connection between self-care. So it's not only about the individual, but it's about honoring our ancestors who came before us because that's, we're all part, we're part of all of those ancestors who had passed on, who have passed on or transitioned. So, um, so I don't know what, so what are your thoughts about that? Mm-hmm. So that's definitely been part of my own personal practice is reclaiming my ancestors, even though maybe I don't necessarily know where they were from. Um, my background is my, both of my parents are Guatemalan. We're from Guatemala. And, um, but there isn't so much of a recorded genealogy of like who our ancestors really were. And so uh, for folks of the diaspora, this is a question, like, who are my ancestors and what is in my bloodline and, and all of this. And, and I would say, ask your grandparents as much as possible and try to get that information as far back as you can. And what you cannot get from that information, then you do spiritually, you do in meditation, you do in ceremony. And so... I think a great way to honor our ancestors, which is part of the Dia de los Muertos tradition, but also traditions all year round, is creating an altar, creating an altar to our ancestors, um, pictures of the ones that we do know, and flores, candelas, eh, comida, you know, things to feed those spirits, and then our own personal practice in our meditations or our prayers of reaching out to them. I think the ancestors really want to be there to support us. They yearn to connect with us, but they can't unless we ask them to. And so what does that look like to ask for help from our spirit guides, from our ancestors, is to, to reach out and in your mind's eye with your intuition, 
right, with that inner vision, sit and feel them, sit and see them, you'll be surprised what you see. You know, turn on a candle, sage yourself before. These are practices that people all over the world do and have done for thousands of years. And I think that we need to reclaim them because sometimes we feel as if we have no support, you know, from especially those of us who don't necessarily know our ancestors way back, we don't feel that support. And it's, it, it's a deficit in our lives. I think there's something that we need to feed in that area and that feels deficient if we don't. And so I would say sit, pray, meditate, connect, ask questions, get curious, sin miedo, porque a veces nos da miedo, pero, you know, and particularly this is a practice that was shared to me uh, from a sister from the, the African-American diaspora. She said, when you are bleeding, when you are menstruating, is your most connected time to the ancestors. And so to meditate within this time when we're bleeding is really, really powerful to connect with ancestors. So that is a practice that I have done to some very interesting results. And I very much encourage you to, to try that and to call in 100% pure light ancestors of your lineage. Because, so this year I went to... Chiapas, and I studied with a medicine woman out there. Her name is Lucia, La Maestra Lucia Perez. And she said, we have things in our ancestry, in our lineage, that we don't necessarily want to know about. Like, there are some, you know, there's peop there are people who were really beautiful folks. There were people who were not so, you know, not so great. So call in your pure light ancestors and... See what they have. See how they show up. Be grateful for them and uh, be open to them. And then, ¿quieres, ¿quieres decir algo? ¿Sí? Es que preguntaste algo más. You asked something else about this time that there's a lot of applications due and, and there's a lot of stress. So something, especially in the fall season, that we need to take care of is our immunity. Okay, this is the time when our children get sick, when all the kids at school se están pasando, you know, la gripe, and then we get sick. And so, especially in times of high stress, the immunity gets uh, very burdened. And so, so uh, an herb that's really beautiful and native to this area and also native to Central America, it's called sauco in Guatemala, is elderberry. So you can get elderberry syrup you know, already prepared, you can prepare it yourself. There's a beautiful herb called astragalus or huangqi in, uh, in Chinese medicine, but it's also in Western herbalism that you can cook into your elderberries as well to make it uh, a really beautiful immune tonic. So I suggest that, you know, there are a lot of recipes online for elderberries. Make sure that they're dried you can get them on mountainroseherbs.com. I'm not paid by Mountain Rose Herbs, but oh, I, I love that <laughs> website. <laughs> but they have organic herbs. So, you know, look it up online and experiment a little bit. Um, but take care of your immunity because if you're stressed, 
you know, if your kids are sick, ¿cómo vas a rendir? You know, how are you really going to give your all? That's one thing. And then the second thing that I want to talk to that you were saying um, about perspective, right? So sometimes the things of the world, like applying to things and like, you know, making sure the bills are paid, like all of those things are important and they're things of the world. Pero this season teaches us too that all of that goes away at some point. All of that is going to fall away. And so then what, what is of value to you? Put some perspective into it. You have kids, you have partners and family. You know, these are the things that are truly important. Give the fellowships, the this, the that, the energy that they need but also put into perspective what's truly important. And here we hear the, the kids coming in. Yeah, these little <laughs> seeds that need yeah. our energy. They need our love. They need our laughter and our light. And they grow and feed off of that. And ultimately, that's what matters. You know, after, even if you didn't get the fellowship, even if no se que, this, that, you still have to be there and give your love and give it with, with all of your heart. So put that into perspective is my suggestion thank you Andrea um I've had the privilege to I, I was telling Andrea when we were she got here that it was like our one-year anniversary of I'm um, my treatment with her like I've been seeing her um um for a, a, almost a year and part of that work was doing some ancestral work and also I wanted to mention you know like all these things came up as you're talking like I'm having these visuals like just remembering my treatments with you, but then what followed, and which was really powerful. Um, but I wanted to remind the community, you know, we have to be really careful about misappropriation, appropriation of, of our cultura. Um, you know, and I see this more because it, we talked about Halloween very little, and that's fine because we have, we wanted to dedicate this time to this work, but just bringing it out there that, you know, currently seeing, um, you know, like Dave the Dead costumes, that's really, you know, disturbing for me. Like, even my Temashtiani, who I used to work for, Temashtiani, Marta uh, Rodriguez Oropesa, um, she reminds us, like, for Dia de los Muertos, uno no se pinta la cara. Like, she checks us, and she brings us from the tradition and her teachings in Mexico, and she started her own, you know, um, her own escuelita in Mexico, and she talks about how important it is to not misappropriate the Dia de los Muertos. And so just to bring it out there, you know, something to, for, some, some food for thought as we're thinking about um, our ancestors and celebration of our ancestors, mm -hmm. um, how important it is to remember them in a way that's not, you know, commercialized, you know, for, per se. And, and, and again, I think the, the sugar schools are really beautiful, but she reminds us to not paint our faces. Um, but other than that, it's like, you know, um, I, I did want to say thank you for talking about shedding. I went through a personal loss not so long ago, and um, it involved my own, my own body and my own spirit. And um, I want to say thank you for the work that you're doing, and thank you for the, for the healers out there. Las curanderas, nuestras maestras, nuestras amigas, you know, I've, I've been able to process my loss. Um, in a gentle way, although it's been really painful and really hard emotionally and spiritually because I am a mother. Um, 
but just saying thank you and honoring también a las que están haciendo el trabajo right now in the awake time, um, the women who put their hands, their spirits, their emotional and spiritual support to, you know, to basically like doula us, you know, like doula, doula, doula us through this process we call, call life. Um, so muchas gracias for that. Um, but just like, you know, all the kids who are getting dressed up this Halloween, and this, you know, just a little note to be, to be, you know, conscious of conscious of what we're doing. Um, y con eso, I think we're going to transition into the next thing. And we want to say thank you, Andrea, for being here. You're such a great maestra. It's such an honor to have you. It was, it was really amazing to have the collective healing session with you. Oh, yeah. Mm. We have to do it again sometime mm. soon. We miss you. Oh, I would love to. And it's, it's all my pleasure, honestly. I learned so much from, I've learned so much from you, Christine, and all of my patients, all of the folks that I'm honored to be in circle with. And so just thank you for having me. This was a really beautiful and healing moment for me as well. How can people contact you? Oh, if you'd like to contact me, my <laughs> my website is andreapenagos.com. So A-N-D-R-E-A-P-E-N-A-G-O-S dot com. Yes, you can contact me there. <laughs> so hit her up, book her for services. She's pretty amazing, to say the least. Um, All right, so um, we're about to transition into a rotating segment. Um, so I just wanted to say really quickly, and I know that um, Christine had mentioned earlier that we're going to share some hacks, some tips, etc. Um, during this segment, we're going to be generally offering maybe a hack um, or maybe sharing a win or a fail. Some of us are just going to check in. Um, and I guess uh, if it's okay, I'll start. So I have another proud mama moment. Trust me, they're not always going to be proud mama <laughs> moments. Uh, but uh, just recently, uh, I've been spending a lot of time, this is, you know, spending a lot of time with assessments and with meeting with the regional district and meeting with the Inglewood Unified School District. Um, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the last podcast, my son is a special needs child. He's transitioning in terms of the services that he's getting. And so he's getting evaluated for language. He's getting evaluated for occupational therapy, for physical therapy. And so there were a couple of sessions where we took him to both the regional center and also to the district um, to get him evaluated. And I was really surprised because... They evaluated him for sensory, for development, cognition, intelligence, motor skills, et cetera. And consistently, um, I mean, I was surprised. I was like, why is this taking so long? They said it would only take like 15, 20 minutes. And we were there for over an hour. And they said that was because Emmy would not bottom out. And I don't know what that meant until they, they explained. They're like, normally kids around his age will either get frustrated or disinterested and stop answering the questions or... Um, or they just uh, start to get the questions wrong, and so they'll move on. But he just kept going and going. They would have him stack blocks in a certain shape, Aww. and he would do it. They would give him puzzles, and he would build them. He, they would ask him questions, he would answer. Um, and I, I, was, I was shocked, <laughs> because I actually I didn't really know. I mean, we all think our kids are bright, right? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> but when they when they're like, oh, he's scoring consistently at the five point five to six year old range, wow. and he's he's about to turn three, I was like, are you serious? I was like, these standards must be very low. <laughs> or or like we're doing a good job, you know, either or or both. <laughs> So, but anyway, the, the point is I felt really proud, regardless of how they're measuring these kids. I don't know what the standards are, but we do worry a lot about him. Um, we worry about him communicating. And just within the last couple of weeks, his speech has uh, grown, like, just, like, exponentially. Like, it went from him only saying a couple of words, we, would look, we were lucky if he even said a sentence, to now he's having conversations and he's engaging with, with people a lot more and he's being a lot more verbal. He's even like verbally standing up for himself at school. Mm. Um, and that's just huge. Like a year ago, a year from today, I could have only dreamed that this would happen. And so um, and it just goes to show you that if you do get um, resources for your kid, it's totally fine to advocate for them to have you know speech therapy, occupational therapy, whatever it is that they need. And if you put them in the right environment and you just keep trying, even though we always feel like we don't do enough, I never feel like I do enough. Just got to keep trying. Maybe maybe you only read one book that night, but you read a book every night. You know, maybe it's, you know, tomorrow might be more, the day after might be less, but you just got to keep doing it. And so it was just, for me, a proud mama moment because I felt validated, like, okay, what we're doing is we're on the right track. It's not the end. We're still going to have to keep advocating, but so far, so good. We got to keep going. <laughs> That's my update. <laughs> That's awesome. Really awesome. Go, Emmy. <laughs> and go, Mama and Dad. I'll, I'll go next. Um, my hack, I was really thinking about what my hack was going to be. So there's two hacks I want to offer. The first one is in um, honor of the elderberry and the season of the fall, Hanito really loves taking his elderberry syrup, mm -hmm. the Gaia um, brand. We call it treat because it's sweet. And he's like, I want a treat this morning. And I'm like, okay, I'll give you some treats. So he's actually, he really likes it. He's really picky. So he's actually taking it. Um, so far, so good. Even in the late summer when folks were really sick at UCLA, a lot of the children were sick. Hanitio consistently fought whatever bug was out there. So that's how we we, we um, encourage Hanitio to take his elderberry. He's been taking it all summer. Um, and then we kind of forgot this fall, but we're going to start, start him off again because he really enjoys it. Sometimes he'll remind us, like, I want my treat, so we'll give him elderberry. Y luego, a sleep training tactic that I learned from a sleep training um, workshop I went to is um, Hanito is very visual and really likes, you know, seeing um, what he can get afterwards, like una recompensa. So what we did with Hanito, which was a tip from the mom, is I bought him a calendar with all our names on it. It's one of those organizing mom calendars. It's really awesome. And every time he sleeps in his bed, he'll get a sticker in the morning. And he we count till, like, he for him, because he's still really young, he's about to be three. If he sleeps in his bed for five days straight, he collects five stickers, he'll get a treat. So he's already looking forward to the treat. And so this also helps him count and think about adding and subtracting. And he kind of blew my mind because I'm like, okay, honey, so you have three stickers today. We need to get to five. How many more do we need? And he started counting with his little fingers. Mm -hmm. And he figured out that he needs two more stickers. And I'm like, okay, this is hella cool. Like, we're doing mathematics, visuals, um, um, like kind of like a... Um, banking system you know like when he gets to like 
cash in his little stickers for a treat because he slept in his bed. So that's something we're working on, and I really appreciated that recommendation from that workshop for those sleep training or potty training or any kind of training. So he's also correlating his potty training and his sleep training to hockey training. So he's like, <laughs> if he wants to become a full-blown-on hockey player, he needs to, you know, complete his potty training and his sleeping training. So that's how we're talking about these different um, things with him. I need to take your tips. <laughs> um, so then mine, so my segment, I'm just going to do a very quick uh, parenting fail and then something related to conferences. So I know I shared it with the mujeres earlier today, but um, the other day, Aloncito, I think he came up from school and he said, mommy, what do you want to be when you're a grown up? <laughs> and he said, because you're still in school. <laughs> and I said, dang, my kid's putting me on blast. <laughs> Like, you know, what's happening? But, um, but, you know, but, you know, he knows I'm a student, you know, he's six years old. So, um, and so I'm just, so that's just one thing, but, um, but, you know, I'm still working, trying to do my thing, finish, you know, graduate <laughs> and then I'll see what comes after that. But, um, and so then I also wanted to do a quick check-in about, um, surviving conference spaces. So th the past three days I've been to two conferences <laughs> so on Thursday. I went to a conference by here in LA by black women for wellness, their annual conference. And the conference theme was about the intersection of black futurism and reproductive justice. So that was just an amazing conference space, you know, is organized, you know, by and for black women. So, um, and it wasn't strictly a, an academic conference. So, um, there were people from, you know, all kinds of fields and careers. And um, so I really appreciated that space. And I was able to make some good connections and, you know, meet different kinds of folks. And I talked on a panel about Afro-Latinidad and anti-blackness and invisibility and, um, you know, kind of contending with blackness, even in my own Mexican or anti-blackness, really, in my own context of uh, Mexican, of my Mexican family and, you know, how to, how to deal with that. Or you know, dismantle or how to dismantle anti-blackness in our families, which you know we still have a lot of work to do. Um, and then the second conference I went to um, was the Mellon Mays Regional Conference. So um, I'm a Mellon Fellow, so and Yvette is as well. So this is a for those of you who don't know uh, if this is a conference for students of color um, at certain colleges and universities throughout the United States and South Africa. And it's for the purpose of the Mellon Mays Fellowship is to increase the number of professors of color, you know, to increase, uh, to di they call it, you know, diversify the professoriate, which, you know, is great because we do get support as a Mellon Fellow, you know, you get support as an undergraduate, but you also get support when you enter a PhD program. There's like additional seminars and funding and conferences. But um, a, a thing that, you know, it's also important to um, think about, you know, how to survive these kinds of academic spaces. And, you know, this is something that's not just with Mellon Mays conference spaces, but also um, uh, like large uh, academic kind of uh, conferences. I mean, not all of them are like that, but um, there in academia, there's that consistent focus on like, um, uh, you know, being, having, buying into or investing in respectability politics or performing academia in a certain way or class passing or, you know, even performing whiteness. And, you know, as those, you know, we're critical of like a corporate neoliberal university, but these are like the conversations that don't necessarily happen in these spaces because we're kind of expected to just be so grateful that we even have this fellowship or that we even have funding. But um, so it can be kind of um, 
hard to navigate that. But, you know, so I, when I met with the students, you know, I kind of emphasized to them that, you know, you're more than your research, no matter, you know, how these pro these kinds of programs make you feel. And, you know, our value is much more than the institution can um, ever give us. You know, we don't need the institution to validate us, but we are in these spaces. So how can we navigate these spaces together? Um, and especially as, you know, low-income students, first-generation students of color, you know, children of immigrants, you know, like all of these things. Um, so it was hard, but I did was able to meet some of the, um, I don't know, Christine and I were like kind of laughing, like the, uh, like the baby queers, like the baby queers of color. So they're I'm like, oh, I found them. <laughs> so I was happy. Uh, I got to connect with some of them and, um, you know, really give them, try to give them support. Like I, more than anything, I just want to be a resource for these students in any way that I can. Okay. Um, are we doing our shout outs? I think so. Okay. <laughs> you want to think about your shout outs, Andrea? Okay. You want to go ahead and get us started? Uh, I have a few quick shout outs. Um, really, my shout out this week is for the members of the Revolutionary Women Writing Group. Um, in particular, three people that I've seen recently. Um, my, my former and I guess current writing partner, because we still get together, Pua, Joyce, Polani Warren, I know you're listening. <laughs> um, Erica, Erica Onuga, um, she's the fellow mama that introduced me to the preschool that Emmy is now at, so I'm eternally grateful to her because it's an amazing space. And now, you know, Emmy knows her daughter, and it's really cute. Um, so shout out to Erica, and shout out to Marilu Medrano. Um, I know I haven't seen you lately, but I'm going to take you up on that offer to babysit my son. So it's on air. <laughs> you got to come and watch him. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my shout out goes to the Berkeley Mellon Mamas. So, um, Marisol Silva and uh, Dr. Gabriela Spears. So, uh, Marisol was my first and biggest supporter because I when I during my time as an undergraduate at UC Berkeley and she was like my Mellon graduate student mentor and um so she also had a child when she was a, an undergraduate and so I was going through a lot of like shame and not getting support and all of these things but Marisol was amazing because she had been through it and she gave me a lot of support and she still does so um this and then Gabriela Spears I met with her recently when I went to uh the University of Arizona or no, the University of Minnesota, sorry. And um, and I was there for a, a conference and uh, she took some time out to meet with me and she's in her first year of the tenure track. Um, and so I'm just incredibly proud of her. So she's a Purepecha, Chicana, you know, mama scholar. And, um, you know, she grew up, she's first generation. She grew up in the fields, you know, working herself in the fields. Um, and she really has worked her ass off and has survived all kinds of like institutional violence, and, you know, Marisol as well. And so they're both just, uh, and Marisol is also a mother. So, you know, both of them are just these women of color uh, warriors. And I look up to both of them and the support that they've offered me in many ways. And they're also both, um, inspirations to me, not just as scholars or being in these academic spaces, but they're kind of models of women of color, how I want to be in this, in just a, another way of being in this world, you know, or as an example. So, um, you know, just thank you for their inspiration. And I would like to send a shout out to the Trap Queens, who are my collective <laughs> homegirls. Um, that includes Silky, Liana, Jackie, Angelica, and Rose. We are um, always supporting each other in the academic spaces, being ratchet and 
causing all kinds of noise, people trying to kick us out from different places, and we resist, and we're like, hell no, we're going to stay right here. Um, but supporting, um, we're supporting each other, especially during the Ford application. Like, all of us are doing it together, and I don't think I've ever known of folks, like, working collectively in these competitive applications. Like, I think folks do things, like, individually, and we're like, hell no, like, one of us got to get it, and whoever gets it takes, us, takes all of us out to dinner. Like, we're just trying to support each other in that process, so shout out to, to them. And to Alfredo and to Hanitio. I want to give a shout out to all my patients who are listening to this podcast. I love you guys doing the healing work. You guys know who you are. Um, I also want to give a shout out to both of my sisters, Wendy and Janie, especially Janie, who is, you know, holding it down for her two kids right now. And um, as the death anniversary of her husband comes up in a few days, I just want to open my heart as wide as it can go and send all of my love to her and all of the, my love to Nathaniel and Sarah, the kids. So if you guys are listening to this podcast, also please send some love to my sister and my family this, this week. We're going to need it. So all my love. Also, shout out to Armando Lopez in the spirit world. We love you. All right. So I think um, the last segment for today are our announcements. So Cecilia is gonna <laughs> is gonna share with you some exciting news for Chicana Mother Work. So um, we have very exciting news. We announced it on our social media, but uh, we want to announce it here in the podcast. So we're circulating um, a call for papers for the Chicana Mother Work anthology. So please, please, please submit. Tell all your friends. <laughs> we want to read your stuff. So um, the Chicana Mother Work anthology is called Porque Sin Mothers No Hay Revolución. And um, you could find the, um, the call for papers and also uh, a, there, you could download it as a PDF on our website, uh, which is chicanamotherwork.wixsite.com uh, backslash my site. And uh, the deadline is December 15th. So we're at this point, we're only um, looking for uh, a 250 word abstract. So we're looking for uh, testimonials, uh, creative writing, and also critical essays related to women of Chicana and women of color mothering and parenting. So we're also including trans women of color and gender nonconforming people of color, uh, queer folks, single parents, you know, everyone. You don't necessarily have to be um, a biological parent, you know, because mothering isn't an essential kind of thing. But you know, all of us, no matter how you identify in terms of your gender, does mother work in various kinds of ways, even if you don't have a biological child. But also, you know, with that said, keeping it real that the biological moms end up doing most of the work anyway, <laughs> <laughs> even when we have male partners. So I'm like, mm -hmm. if this was, if I was texting a friend, I would do like the side eye emoji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we're so excited to announce that, and we're excited to receive your submissions. One more thing. I think some of you are waiting because we did say that we were having a contest, and we didn't forget. We are announcing our contest winner today. And so um, for today, our contest winner is coming from Instagram. Um, oh, we opened up the Instagram. We're like, okay, which one's the first one that went into Instagram and tagged two people? <laughs> it was La Mas Chingona. <laughs> like, literally, 
la más the chingona. winner is at la más chingona that's the Instagram account la más chingona siempre gana so congratulations felicidades la más chingona you won we're gonna send you we'll contact you and send you a free t-shirt thanks so much for your support I think she wins that life with yeah. that with that name can I have that name and if you can please take a picture with your shirt and tag Chicana Mother Work we really appreciate it um, just Show us, show us your pimp, your pimp ass shirt. Um, I think, yeah. Let's just uh, don't forget. Please follow us on social media. We want to keep going with this conversation. Um, we want to thank you for listening. Our website, you know, Ceci already mentioned it. ChicanaMotherwork.wixsite.com uh, backslash my site, and then for Twitter, our Twitter handle is Chicana Mothers. Um, because this, there's a character limit and you can't do Chicana Mother Work. And then for Instagram, it's Chicana Mother Work. And then SoundCloud, soundcloud.com backslash Chicana Mother Work. Thank you, everyone. Have a good weekend or rest of the week. Happy fall. Thanks for having me. Chicana Mother Work. Love you guys. Bye. Love you too. <laughs>